Philadelphia, let's go to Las Vegas where I have a boxing broadcaster, aficionado. You, you're a lot of things, but it's sweet baby Ray Flores. He's in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, you worked the uh, press conference today for the big Keith Thurman, Mario Barrios pay-per-view card this Saturday night. Ray, what's up, man? How are you, Mark? It's great to be here and join you from Las Vegas. Uh, wonderful to be able to talk with Mario Barrios and Keith Thurman along with Leo Santa Cruz and Keenan Carball today. So uh, to talk about this uh, show on pay-per-view. We got Keith Thurman coming back after about a two-and-a-half-year absence. Uh, Barrios, who's coming off a, a loss himself to, to Gervonta Davis, put, put up a good fight, exciting fight. What are you expecting, especially after talking to the two guys today? What are you expecting Saturday night in Las Vegas? I think we get a really good fight. And here's the thing. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. I know that people are talking about pay-per-view prices, right? which I understand. But you look at this fight, the main event, this is going to be a fun scrap. That's how I would equate it to because Keith Thurman realizes that in order for him to once again make a claim to be one of the best welterweights in the world, if not the best welterweight in the world, he's got to get past Mario Barrios and not just edge him. He's got to look impressive in the process. Barrios does not want to lose two in a row. He's making a jump up to 147. He's fighting a big name in Keith Thurman. And in his mind, if he's able to defeat Keith Thurman, then he sort of skips the line of contenders. And I even think that, I mean, this is a little bit, uh, I don't think it's far reaching, but I think that if Barrios beats Thurman, he would get past the likes of Virgil Ortiz, Boots Ennis, and some of the other young contenders in the division and put himself in top five contention. Yeah. How did Furman look to you? I mean, obviously we haven't really seen him, you know, he's, he's been doing some commentating here and there on Fox and, and, and so forth. How did he look to you a couple of days out? I mean, do we, do you, did you see a guy who's, you know, two and a half, three years old, older than we saw him uh, the last time uh, when he took on Manny Pacquiao back in July of 2019? I see an edge to Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman, I could just tell that he had this quiet intensity about him. He was very nice to me and always a class act. But I could just sense it. You know when you have a feel for things? And I just saw how he was in, in the dressing room, in the locker room, because I interviewed him backstage prior to the start of the press conference. There's an edge to Keith Thurman. He could, you could tell that he has his tools sharpened. And he's ready to go out there and prove to the world that, guess what? You might have, you know, forgotten about me in recent memory, but you're going to remember why I was so good and why I held two world championships at one time. You're going to remember why I beat the likes of the Robert Guerreros of the world, the likes of Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, how at a time he was an avoided fighter at 147. Keith Thurman has a chip on his shoulder. And I think it makes for a more compelling fight with Mario Barrios. Do you expect the layoff to be an issue, especially early in this fight? Yeah, I totally 100% think that it's going to take Keith a few rounds to get going, which is why it adds to the intrigue of this fight. Because Thurman's game is based on timing, rhythm, you know, gauging your distance, uh, being intelligent in that ring, mixing it up when you feel the need to do so. Barrios is going to come out and make him fight from the time the bell rings in round one till the time the bell sounds at the end of the 12th round. 
if it gets that far. So that's why I think that Thurman being away from the ring for 931 days. Who's counting? Huh? Who's counting, though? Uh, Mark Ortega did the counting on that one. The there we go. <laughs> I didn't do the counting. I'm, I'm going 30 months. But 931 days is the exact time that he's been away from the ring in competition. To me, that takes him about three and a half to four rounds to get going. I think he starts to get going in round four on. But that means that those early rounds, if Barrios is who he has been in the past, then he'll likely gobble up those three rounds, meaning that from round four on, at least the way that I envision it, if Barrios wins another three rounds, you got a draw. And then you throw up another round or two, toss-up rounds, boom, there you go. That's a path to victory for Mario Barrios. Um, I think uh, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting fight because Barrios, Barrios is, in good, is always in good fights. And you know what? It, I mean, I think Thurman... Probably we're probably not, we probably have seen the best of Keith Thurman. I mean, it's just father time, three years off, the whole nine yards. So that's what, like you said, that's what makes it for an interesting fight. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining. I mean, I, I think Thurman maybe maybe pulls it out, maybe a late stoppage. But I see an entertaining uh, fight, and like you said, seventy four ninety nine. You get three other fights on the card. Well, what do you what do you, what interests you on the undercard? Uh, you got you know, Luis Neri and Carlos Castro, the return of Leo Santa Cruz taking on Keenan Carvajal, and uh, Jesus Ramos uh, taking on Vladimir uh, Hernandez after uh, the Abel Ramos uh, fight with Josecito fell off. Uh, what are you looking for in the undercard? Anything there that, that interests you? Well, yeah, I think Leo Santa Cruz and Keenan Carvajal are going to bang for as long as the fight lasts because Keenan Carvajal has won 18 straight, and he's fighting a guy in Leo Santa Cruz who's been away from the ring for 15 months, another victim of Gervonta Davis, no shame to losing a tank by knockout because, you know, tank is one of the best, if not the hardest punchers in boxing today. So Leo's coming off of a 15-month layoff. But I still think that Leo has a few years left, especially now with Featherweight being wide open. The fact that you have Mark Moxayo, who defeated Gary Russell Jr. to become the WBC Featherweight Champion. You have Kiko Martinez. A guy who I pointed out to Leo Santa Cruz, he beat six years ago. People thought Kiko Martinez was done back then in mm-hmm. February 2016. The fact that you have Emmanuel Navarrete, who's a right. champion as well. That's uh, an action volume fighter. Another so guy. I think Leo. Another, I was going to say another guy on the PBC side, Ray Vargas, who's uh, yeah. Magsayo's going to be his mandatory as well. So there, there's a variety of guys that Leo can fight. And to me, none of them are real big punchers. Like, they they don't have that one punch eraser. So that, to me, says we can get these back-and-forth seesaw fights. But I think that Leo is going to have to get past Keenan Carbajal and look. Again, it's kind of like the Keith Thurman syndrome. Away from the ring for over a year. Keith Thurman, 30 months. Leo Santa Cruz, 15 months. Half of that. But the fact that both Thurman and Leo Santa Cruz have generational wealth, They've been in big fights, big fights over and over and over again. But where's the hunger? I think Leo Santa Cruz still has that desire to perform, perform at a high level. He mentioned unification fight, you know, and possibly fighting the likes of the Maxayos of the world and, you know, uh, also, you know, Kiko Martinez and stuff. So I'm curious to see what happens. I think Keenan Carball is going to give up a valiant effort, but I don't think it's enough. When it comes to Luis Neri, Carlos Castro, I think Luis Neri, he's a wild card. Because yeah. you're going to get a guy that's going to come and try to bomb you out, but he might get bombed out himself. 
We yeah, saw I mean, that he, in the fight against Brandon Figueroa. Yeah, so he like we'll find out what happens. He absolutely looked like shit. That, just going back to Santa Cruz, though, we don't see a lot of times where guys get really put to sleep like Santa Cruz did. And, I mean, I, I know there's probably instances of that. And come back and kind of be the same. So I, I'm looking. I'm going to be interested in that because let's face it. When he fought Javante Davis, I think I think Santa Cruz woke up about 15 minutes ago. So you know because he got viciously knocked out in that fight. So you know if you're a backer of Carvajal, you know there there's your thing. I mean, how many times have we seen guys get knocked out like that and come back and be some of what they they were? I mean, Pacquiao did it with Marquez, but uh, you know they're you know, instances of that are few and far between. There's a phrase that we can use that the great Larry Merchant mentioned in his commentary as HBO boxing analyst that I think is so apropos for the main event, the co-main event, especially with both guys. In the sense of this, will we see the Keith Thurman and Leo Santa Cruz's of old or will we see in old Keith Thurman and Leo Santa Cruz? That is the question heading into this card on Saturday night. I wouldn't be shocked if if one of those guys looks old. I don't know which one. I would not be shocked though if you know Thurman, you know, puts up a dud, or even Santa Cruz comes up, uh, put, puts up a dud on 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 uh, Saturday night. If if I were a betting man, which unfortunately tonight I am, <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> uh, 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 um, I would say one of the one of those guys may take it on the chin, uh, no pun intended, on, on Saturday night. Well, here's another thing, Mark, to expound on this. You and I have been around this board for well over 10 years in the sense that with Leo Santa Cruz, he's 33 years of age at 126. Yep, small Typically, when you get to 30, well. that's mm-hmm. considered ancient. The fact that he's now in his mid-30s still fighting at this level, when is that expiration date? Or is Leo Santa Cruz... One of those rare commodities and those rare fighters that can go into his late 30s still competing at that elite supreme level at featherweight. Nonito Donaire is a guy who is defying that, being 39 years of age, being a world champion at 118. But for Leo Santa Cruz, I think that you have to have at least the jury be out on, as to say, because he's been in wars. Several of them with Frampton, with Mares. I mean, he's an active fighter. He's a high contact fighter, high volume. He likes to get hit, but then he throws and makes sure to deliver punishment. So I think all those things are, you know, questions that we hope to be answered. So there you go. Four big fights, uh, a couple fights on Fox at 7 p.m. Eastern. Gray, we'll just touch on a couple other couple other little boxing nuggets that have been uh, circulating over the past couple weeks. It was uh, announced last week, Tyson Fury, Dillian White, $43 million purse bid, and uh, that fight looks to be taking place April 23rd. What are your quick thoughts? I think if uh, if Fury is not on his P's and Q's, I mean, he, he can really fight uh, Dillian White. He can really punch. Yeah, Dillian White can punch, but to me, when you go from fighting one of the most destructive punchers in the past 20 years in the heavyweight division, and you get up several times from his shots, to me, Tyson Fury is, aside from fighting Usyk, is invincible because I think he is head and shoulders the best heavyweight in the world. And as long as he even comes in 75 to 80%, Focused, I think he wipes the floor with Dillian White. 
because White has been known to get clipped. He's tough. But is there anything that stands out to me about Dillian White that gives me the wow factor? If I had a button to push the wow button, it doesn't do that for me when it comes to Dillian White. Tyson Fury does a lot of things really good. And this guy is, at this point, Tyson Fury is essentially fighting against himself. Because now he gets to really write his own legacy. He defeated Deontay Wilder in the trilogy. And I think both men will forever be better from those fights. But now it is Tyson Fury having to fight with himself. Fight with that man in the mirror. Because if Tyson Fury comes in 80-90% focused in most fights in this division, he beats everybody. Because he's in the prime of his life, the prime of his career, and he is just a savage fighter. Plus, I'm going to say this, Mark. He's gotten so much better with Sugar Hill. It's unbelievable. He has this nastiness, this finishing ability. In the second fight against Wilder, I'm like, okay, he did it second time. What can he do the third time? The fact that he did it again, but later, and then got up twice. I'm like, okay, believer. I'm a believer. This guy has really shown an ability to finish fights in grand fashion. Quick shout out to our guy Lee Groves watching us tonight. The great Lee Groves. The great. The great Lee Groves. I wonder if Lee's counting how many punches you're throwing tonight. <laughs> I'm sure quite uh, a bit. So Oscar Valdez, Shakur Stevenson, sounds like uh, April 30th uh, in Las Vegas, uh, probably right across the street from where, where you're at. A very interesting fight. I think it's a great fight. I think Shakur Stevenson looked magnificent in the win against Jamel Herring. I didn't think he was going to piece up Jamel in that fashion. Oscar Valdez, well, we saw what he did to Miguel Burchelt, and now styles make fights. What's going to happen in this one? Because if Shakur Stevenson's going to be successful, he's got to use his boxing ability, his speed, maintain his distance, and also be able to dictate the pace of the fight. If you're Oscar Valdez, you got to make this kid uncomfortable. I hate to say it, and this is so early on in terms of me thinking about this fight. And I know that Valdez, he's a world-class prize fighter and is a world champion. But to me, Mark, this is kind of giving me sort of Floyd Mayweather, Arturo Gatti vibes based on the fact that Mayweather was a technician. Shakur's a technician. Gatti, like to come forward, was a brawler. Valdez is a technical brawler. But that's what it's given me as we're months out from the fight. I think it's funny you said Floyd Mayweather. This is the fight. This reminds me, not style-wise, but this reminds me of the Mayweather-Corrales fight where after Mayweather you know, beat Corrales very handily, knocked him down five, six times, we started to get that wow factor for Mayweather. This could be the fight that gives us the – because Shakur Stevenson, even though he's undefeated, hasn't – Hasn't really, uh, I, want, I don't want to say he hasn't been tested because he's won every one of his fights easily. This is this could be the fight that we, this could give Shakur Stevenson that wow factor. Like, okay, this kid, this kid really is special. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, to me, he gave me the wow factor against Jamel Herring doing what he did, especially because Jamel was coming off of the win over, uh, you know, uh, he was coming off of very, I think Carl Frampton, if I'm corrected on that. And, and he looked mightily impressive in that victory. But, you know, now it's like, okay, we're going to see what happens when it comes to Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez. Like, I think that Shakur is just so talented, has many different ways to win this fight. 
Valdez only has one or two ways. So you're going in there with a guy who has six or seven different weaponry against a guy that's got only one or two. Next, uh, next thing, uh, it's a simple question. Who's Canelo going to fight? I think he's going to fight Jamal Charlo. And the reason why I say that is because I look at what Eddie Reynoso said a few weeks ago, or not a few weeks ago, a few days ago, where he goes that Jamal Charlo has the bigger box office draw than that of David Benavides. He really didn't talk about Bivol, and he hasn't talked about anybody else that DAZN has mentioned. I mean, I, I think they've been very quiet when it comes to uh, who Canelo is going to fight. I mean, they really haven't mentioned Gennady Golovkin. And you know what? I'm very interested. I think that Canelo will fight Jamal Charlo on in May here in Las Vegas because I think it's a Vegas fight. And then I'm curious to see if he decides to fight David Benavides, if Benavides is successful against David Lemieux in April. So you would figure that the way that the schedules are looking like, and this is me talking hypotheticals, mm-hmm. that they kind of match up. So does Canelo want to fight Macabu in December in Mexico City? Does he want to leave that fight until next May? Or does he want to fight um, Benavides in September and then push himself, because he would be pushing himself, to get into camp and to fight Macabu in December or January? Either way, Canelo's going to have to go through another gauntlet of training camps if that is to be the case, which I don't think makes sense for him because I think for Canelo, fighting two times a year is more than enough. I think it's sometime. I mean, we mentioned the 68 and the Cruiserweight. At some point, he's probably going to fight Bevel. I don't know if it's going to lead to the better B of Smith winner or whatever, but I think he's going to want to get a slice, a, a slice of a title at 75, at least a slice of a, a title of Cruiserweight. And it was funny. I was watching, I was watching that show the other night with Macabu and Trevor Bryan. Hey, what, 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 what? I was thinking. I think Canelo Alvarez could probably beat Trevor Bryan and win a slice of the heavyweight championship. To be honest, I could see that. Look, Canelo is. I w- I remember when he was in Hollywood, Florida, during our January first pay per view, and he was watching Frank Sanchez and supporting Frank Sanchez. But to me. If you're Canelo, how do you not look up there at, you know, some of the guys and say, if I gain a little bit of weight, I mean, I could I could beat these guys because you know what? He's that good. He's that kind of fighter that can go up and down. I mean, we we never thought I don't think we believed that we would see another Roy Jones S sort of journey. Canelo might be that guy. And I think we'd all be there. And it would be very entertaining for all of us. Uh, some kind of uh, kind of break. I always call it breaking news, but uh, Brian Castagno tonight on his on his social media has basically confirmed that uh, March nineteenth he'll be rematching uh, Jamel Charlo in a rematch of one of last year's best fights, terrific fight uh, out in LA. Uh, uh, so I, I guess that that's a done deal, right? I love that fight. I mean, the first fight was tremendous because both guys had to make adjustments. And they did, and it ended up being a draw. This fight being in Los Angeles at the Crypto.com Arena, which used to be Staples Center, I think it's going to be hard for me to uh, change my vernacular on that. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I think it's going to be an excellent fight because Jermel Charlo has a lot to prove because, you know, he had to dig deep, and he did. And Derek James made brilliant adjustments, as did Jermel in the fight against Castaño. If you're Castaño, you got to be thinking the fight was right there. And I didn't do enough to get the win. And I wasn't able to adjust the same way that Jermel was able to adjust. 
Castaño started off strong, but when Jermel Charlo adjusted, Castaño did not adjust. So that was the difference in the fight that Jermel Charlo knew he had to go to plan B. He did go to plan B. He had to go ahead and really dig down deep and go to a world that he hadn't been pushed to in a long time. And he did it. Castaño did not have a sense of urgency. And I think they were too complacent. In this fight, I don't think that'll be the case. I think we get a very passionate and we get a very aggressive Brian Castaño for the full 36 minutes. Now, that to me plays more into the favor of Jermel Charlo because he's a sharpshooter. He's a brilliant counterpuncher. He's got pop behind his punches. He did hurt Castaño. The question is, can Jermel Charlo hurt Castaño early to make him, quote unquote, gun shy in that fight? Yeah, it should be an excellent fight. Castaño's, or he, I, I mean, people ask me about Castaño. He just, he's just a tough nut to crack that guy. He just comes forward and, you know, he's just a real, he's a real tough, he's a real tough guy who, who can fight. He's durable. He's durable and he's athletic and he outworks you and he's in your chest all night long. This guy can fight for days if he could. Why he took his foot off the gas? I don't know. Some of that could be from the counterpunching of Jermel Charlo and the fact that Charlo had to step up his game, and he did so and was effective in the process. But I think we do get a very much impassioned uh, Brian Castaño on uh, March 19th. We got Matthew Rowland watching us tonight. It's a little late for Matt. I can't uh, Big Ten wrestling there. fan Matt Rowland. He's got a couple of... Uh, you know, children that will likely be uh, with Penn State, I assume, in the near future. <laughs> that I'll be calling uh, I, their matches. I saw I, I saw a uh, another note on Twitter right before we came on. Uh, looks like uh, serious rumors of uh, Spence Ugas in April in, in uh, Jerry's World down there in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I could, I could hear that. I can totally see that. So I'm uh, very interested to see uh, what network it goes to. So that, to me, is the uh, the operative question. So, I mean, uh, what's your uh, quick take on that fight, just uh, hearing about it? So I'll give you a quick uh, – I know that you had our trainer's roundtable yesterday, and it was interesting because we had Ismail Salas and Derek James. Salas, the trainer of your Dennis Ugas. Derek James, the trainer of Errol Spence. And Ugas was sort of getting ready to work out, and Salas calls him over and says, hey, you know, say hello to everybody. And then Salas, being very nice – goes to Derek James. He goes, hey, we're going to see you guys soon. He goes, we look forward to it. And Derek James started laughing. It was just uh, some good gamesmanship between the two guys. I think that's a great fight because <laughs> Errol Spence been away from the ring for over 14 months. You got Terrence and you have Terrence Crawford waiting in the wings. He obviously since, I guess, the quote release from top rank, he's it's been pretty quiet on his front. What, what do you expect? I mean, you're out in Vegas. That's where all, that's where all the gossip happens. You hear anything about Terrence Crawford? I haven't heard anything about Crawford. I think what's going to happen is that it's like a domino effect. So now that we are getting some clarity when it comes to the welterweight division, the fact that Spence and Ugas is likely going to be announced soon, and that'll be for three belts, I think that the Crawford domino is going to fall sooner rather than later. But where does he go fight? Who does he fight? What network does he go fight at? I don't know. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Could I see him taking a tune-up fight? Yeah, because he just came off of a spectacular win over Showtime Sean Porter. I don't know. Could I see him having a one-off with like a pro bellum? Yeah, I absolutely can see that happening. But who is he going to fight? 
uh, would he fight a Regis Progray? I think Progray's got a fight that's being talked about that is close to being announced. So that would have been my guess. But I have no idea where they are leaning towards Terrence Crawford fighting. So uh, any other things that you, uh, boxing-wise, uh, kind of, uh, you know, you want to get out there? Or the, the, any other boxing news out there? I think we touched on some of the major things going on. Any other things that kind of uh, are floating around the sweet baby Ray's mind? Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm curious to see this Jesus Ramos-Vladimir Hernandez fight because Hernandez has really been coming on as of late and looked really good in the win against Julian Williams. And Jesus Ramos now fighting in a new weight class here at 154, and he's a young kid in his early 20s, and there's a lot of excitement behind Jesus Ramos. He's a southpaw. He's Mexican. He's from Phoenix. He can punch. He has good distance, good ring IQ. Good-looking kid. But Vladimir Hernandez is one of those guys who has been the spoiler in recent memory. And I think that Hernandez, if Ramos isn't careful, could surprise Jesus Ramos. So Ramos has got to go out there and really be at his best on Saturday night. But I'll take it a step further. And the fact that if Ramos goes out there and looks dynamic and explosive and powerful and finishes off Hernandez. Then it just continues the hype train of Jesus Ramos. The same way we looked at this fight to me is similar to that of, and I know that Hernandez hasn't fought for the world title, so a little bit step below. But this to me is Boots Ennis and Tomas Delorme because Hernandez has been in there against high-level competition, and he's very tough to beat. And if you beat him, you squeak away with the decision, victory, and you'd never want to see him again. If Ramos goes out there and blows out Hernandez the same way Boots did to Tomas Delorme, then it's like, okay, there's a reason why we're excited about this guy. The hype is real. The hype, to me, is there. The question on Saturday is, is it justified? And is it real? We'll find out when he fights Vladimir Hernandez. We will find out. Great pay-per-view uh, action Saturday night from the Mandalay Bay. Uh, fights on the zone this weekend. So, uh, you know, everything's starting to pick up after the new year. Uh, uh, Le- 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 our buddy Lee has been chi- chiming in. He says, great stuff. You may have a future in this business. I hope so. I mean, it's uh, it's nice to be able to do this stuff and go coast to coast wherever we go and stuff. And I get great information from Lee Groves, who's an encyclopedia for the sport and very Absolutely. underrated. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, where can we find? I mean, we see you calling different sports every week. I know you did some MMA last week in Miami. You're going to do some Big Ten wrestling this weekend. You're you're hosting press conferences, interviewing fighters. Uh, what do you got coming up on the docket? So tomorrow I'll be doing the undercard press conference. You know, really excited to talk to Jesus Ramos, Vladimir Hernandez, Luis Neri, Carlos, you know, Castro. I think that's going to be a firefight. You know, pumped about that. Another fight that I'm really curious about. Omar Juarez, Ryan Carl. That's an all-Texas showdown here in Las Vegas. I'm pumped about that fight as well. So follow me at SBR Flores. And then uh, I'm actually leaving Las Vegas uh, tomorrow because I have to head to Ann Arbor, Michigan to call Michigan and Nebraska. I'm pumped. I'm excited about that. And then I will be in my way. You know, I cover Hawkeye Arena as we have uh, one of the top teams in the country, Iowa welcoming in the Wisconsin Badgers. So that'll be on Saturday. And then like the rest of everybody else, once I'm done calling Big Ten wrestling around five o'clock central time, I'll go home. I'll relax. I'll order the pay-per-view. I'll order a good pizza, uh, some Chicago-style pizza, what I think is the best in the country. Anyway. Sorry to the New Yorkers of the world. But 
that's the way it is. And I'm going to enjoy some good fights. And then um, February 26th, I'm back out with Trader Fight Club. And then first week of March, Big Ten Championships. And then uh, we continue with the schedule. The, the Wolverine fans are going to be excited. That you hear they almost lost their football coach, but he's coming back. Yeah, he is. I mean, I thought he was destined for the Minnesota Vikings, but lo and behold, he is with the Maize and Blue. There you have it. Sweet baby Ray Flores, the, the, the quiet and shy sweet baby Ray Flores. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. You, to get a few words out of you, it's almost impossible. But it's always an honor to join us here. Uh, we did almost 29 good minutes here today. So uh, we will be talking along the way. Uh, Next, next, maybe the next big fight. So, uh, good luck with everything. And we'll, I always, I kid around with way. He's on my TV screen more than like, a, more than like the NBA. And I'm a big NBA fan. So, so you're too right, kind, Mark. All the best, right, man. Thanks so much. Right, enjoy Las Vegas. Go, go, go enjoy a nice meal at the Mandalay Bay. We'll do, man. Thank you. We'll do.